0: That's heritageradionetwork.org/15 to donate and enter to win today, and make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you.
1: Today's program is brought to you by Wisconsin Cheese. Did you know that Wisconsin is home to the nation's only Master Cheesemakers program that provides innovative cheesemakers with continuing education opportunities? To learn more, visit wisconsincheese.com.
2: Hey, thanks for listening to
3: Heritage Radio Network. This is Katie, HRN Executive Director, and I'm so excited to share with you our coverage from the Charleston Wine and Food Festival. We are here live today at Charleston Wine and Food. Join us as we talk all things food. Come to Charleston, eat some seafood. Eat all of the seafood. Chicken fried chicken
0: with chorizo steak and salsa verde mashed potatoes.
3: So quintessentially like Southern fare at its finest. And have important conversations. We're also talking about professional women in restaurants and how underrepresented they are, people of color in restaurants, and how they're not talked about.
2: We get real with Food Network's Manit
3: Chohan. Balance is BS. (laughs) Uh, I was was told that uh, I wasn't going to be bleeped out. And find out about raising sugar cane with chef Sean Brock.
1: It's like being Indiana Jones or something. You never know what you're gonna find.
3: You'll come away inspired by the power of food and the food scene in Charleston. Here's Dr. Jessica B. Harris.
1: Food is constantly in flux. Food is always moving. Food is the only real lingua franca that we have that allows us to connect with other folks.
3: So tune in to Heritage Radio Network on tour at heritageradionetwork.org or wherever you get your podcasts.
0: You can't go wrong.
2: Hello, this is Diane Stemple on Cutting the Curd on Heritage Radio Network. My author today is Hannah Howard, whose new book, Feast, is just coming out. Welcome, Hannah. Hi, Diane. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, you're very welcome. Uh, So your subtitle is True Love, In and Out of the Kitchen. Was that your first choice? Yes, I really liked the ring of it, and Uh I think...
3: That love is at the heart of the book. Uh The book is a memoir about my working my way through restaurants and falling in love with food, Mm -hmm. including cheese, Uh and struggling with and recovering from an eating disorder. Mm -hmm. And sometimes I looked for that love with food. Sometimes I looked for that love with men. Um, So I think it's a search for... Finding that love from a place that actually works and (laughs) feeds me in a way physically and, you know. And mentally. Mentally, emotionally, spiritually.
2: I thought perhaps the uh, publisher came up with that subtitle.
3: Nope. They, you know, I my publisher is Little A. Uh huh. They're a literary, the literary imprint of Amazon Publishing. Okay. And they've been really wonderful in letting me make decisions that matter about the book. Okay. I got to have a lot of input into the cover and mm-hmm. the design, mm-hmm. and from talking with some other authors, I know that's not always the case. Yeah, that's so true. So I feel very lucky.
2: Okay. Yeah. Okay. Now, so usually I get the book sooner or I've even read it already before I arranged the interview. But for this time, it came quite late. And as I started to read it, I realized, yikes, this <laughs> this is not your typical food memoir uh, or food book. So it's heartfelt, personal story of a young woman struggling with an eating disorder. In the midst of the food world, wow, yeah. <laughs> while,
3: while pitching the book, yeah. we had a few people say, "Oh, the eating disorder angle is interesting, and the insider restaurant and grocery store at the end of the book angle is interesting." But we think they're t- we don't think they belong together, mm-hmm. and. That has not been my experience. Uh Uh, I mean, obviously. (laughs) Well, it was your life. It was my life. (laughs) But I think that it makes so much sense that people... I mean, of course, I would never say that everyone who works in food has an eating disorder because that would be absurd. Mm -hmm. But I do think it makes a certain sense like that there might be more alcoholics or people who struggle with alcohol who work behind bars Mm -hmm. or in that industry. Mm -hmm. And just like that, I think that people are sometimes drawn to things that are complicated and difficult for them. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to master my demons in a way. Mm -hmm. And part of recovery has been untangling the good, healthy stuff that makes me love food and still want to work in food today from the obsessive, unhealthy, unhappy stuff.
2: Mm -hmm. Now, you are so brave, though, uh, to reveal all this. Well, I hope it's brave and not stupid.
3: But, (laughs) you know, it's been... But we'll see. We'll see. (laughs) But I wrote an essay sort of coming out with this issue Mm -hmm. maybe about a year ago, and I was terrified. Mm -hmm. And I thought that maybe my food colleagues would respect me less, but just hearing the response of so many people who related... Mm -hmm all of a sudden, there was a weight lifted off my shoulders. And I mean, really, if people resonate, I feel like I've done my job. Mm -hmm.
2: Now, how and when did you decide to write this to be so honest, to come out of the eating disorder closet, Mm -hmm. where you were for so long?
3: Yeah, yeah, I still sometimes think, wow, it's crazy that I've done this thing. Yeah. I because, because
2: you're busy hiding it oh, for yeah. most of the book.
3: Right. And I mean, for most of my life, it yeah. really was my deepest, darkest secret and it was something that carried so much shame. Um, and I think part of the reason I wanted to write about it was even talking about it with mm-hmm. people was such a release of that shame. Mm-hmm. And I really thought that people were, go- like, lightning, either lightning was going to strike me from above or people were going to look at me with some sort of disgust. But it was really the opposite that happened. Mm -hmm. And that felt so cool and so freeing and empowering. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I've always loved to write and I've always written personal essays and stories about my life. And um, at some point, I kind of felt like these little essays and anecdotes were all adding up to something bigger mm-hmm. and feast was born.
2: Okay. Now so did you pitch it or did they find you? I pitched it. Uh-huh. I had um so
3: the the story of how I found my agent was that I had been working at a website that doesn't exist anymore called New York Natives mm-hmm. and I worked with a man Thomas Pascal who's a great friend and he wrote a book about lucid dreaming of all things. Mm-hmm. And I just quizzed him on every process, every part of the process of his book because mm-hmm. I always know no know, have known that I've wanted to write a book. Mm-hmm. And he introduced me to his agent and I sent her kind of the idea for this book and a few th- essays I had written and she said, "Can you send me more?"
2: And I was like, "That's always a good sign."
3: <sighs> right. But I was like, "How much more?" And she's like, "Send me everything you have." So it was kind of Terrifying and mm-hmm. I sent her everything I had and we had lunch and she loved the idea. She signed me, she helped me write a proposal. Oh great. We pitched that proposal and got so many rejections. Oh, no. Some of them oh, were dear. like the loveliest rejections. Oh, okay. They, nice rejection. But they were still we love this, we love this, uh-huh. but no. <laughs> so it was still <laughs> Or it's hard. not for us. Right. Of course. And people there's a million reasons like, oh, we've already published a food memoir in the last year, which uh, for me is like, well, that's so who cares, right? <laughs> there people, this is a different one.
2: Yeah. Um, and then finally we got a yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So um, the book describes Hannah's path through college, starting at Columbia, through many food jobs, including cheese jobs, through some serious relationships, through some crazy weight loss, And serious binging periods, but mostly the focus is on the eating disorder part of your life, I feel, uh, which was a secret for most of when the book takes place. Mm -hmm. So was that an incredible leap? You mean to write about it? Yes, yes. Yes. And had you written about it secretly already or are you going back to remember freshman year as you're writing the freshman year part?
3: I did a lot of going back and remember, remembering things mm-hmm. and I thought when I was writing it that you know I've been in recovery for now it's almost seven years mm-hmm. but the writing process has been long so let's say it was four or five years and as I started to write I felt like oh I'm in a really good healthy place it's going to be fine, but dropping myself back in the middle of the really hard, <laughs> right. shitty. It was yeah. not it was not easy. Yeah. I started seeing a therapist again, which I'm really glad that mm-hmm. I did. And I and I think now that it's in the world, I feel some sort of catharsis, mm-hmm. but at the time it was just really difficult. Mm-hmm.
2: Okay. Okay, that's what I figured. Now, um, when do you start Columbia as a freshman? What year? Two thousand five. Okay. So a while ago. Yes. We're talking. And Get your <laughs> first job your first cheese job was at Picheline? Yes. Well, and it, when was that? So freshman that was year? freshman year.
3: Okay. It wasn't um, as much of a cheese job as I wanted it to be. Right. Because I was a host, but at Picholine, which doesn't exist anymore, mm-hmm. they had the most incredible cheese program and cheese cart and We all know it. We all know it. <laughs> I'm really like I didn't know quite what I was stumbling into and mm-hmm. I just Fell in love.
2: Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Love at first sight. I love your uh, cheese quote from the book about falling in love with cheese. I put. It's going to be on the website. Great. So anyway, and then when when did Casalula start? So I have the distinction. I actually just on
3: Saturday had a small gathering of friends and family to celebrate the book at Casa Lula, which felt very full circle. Oh, wonderful. Yeah, I love that place. And I had the distinction of being the first non-friend employee to be hired. So I was actually hired before it was opened. Mm-hmm. It opened in 2007, I mm-hmm. believe. Yes. Okay. Um, so it was my... I want to say it was my junior year, and I got so lucky that I got to be part of such an amazing place. I didn't quite know how lucky I was. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. and
2: to be at both Pichelin, which is sort of like the Mm high-flung place for cheese, and then to be at Casalula, which is much more friendly, but also excellent cheese. Right, the cheese was definitely the connecting thread, for sure. Yeah, that would be be a great experience to be at both those places
3: it was i had my i was having my columbia education but i was also really getting
2: an excellent cheese education right and food education with all the things that you did yes now well now i've got to come clean myself uh some listeners may know but many do not I am actually a clinical psychologist. That's my day job. Um, so <laughs> that was That was the engineer's reaction. <laughs> but I thought he knew. <laughs> anyway, um, I have a private practice in Port Washington and Brooklyn. But right away as I'm reading your book, um, I am yelling at the book saying, tell your therapist. Why doesn't she know? Where's your where are your parents? What about these boyfriends? How can you trick so many people? I think Well, I don't know if I was
3: tricking them. Okay. As so but much you as lost
2: a lot of weight freshman year.
3: I did. But then um, people were concerned. Yeah. And I do think that there's a really big problem with our eating disorder treatment world uh-huh. that when I gained back that weight pretty quickly, yeah. everyone thought, oh, she's better now because I looked normal. Okay, But I wasn't. Right. Um, right. And so I nobody really seemed concerned after that very brief period in my life mm-hmm. where I was underweight. Mm-hmm. And... Um, I I guess I maybe I was really good at hiding it because I was so ashamed, and mm-hmm. I'm sort of like, you know, I went to Columbia. I feel like I'm I'm good at jumping through the hoops of mm-hmm. achievement mm-hmm. and <laughs> doing what people expect.
2: And you are and, working practically full time while you're at Columbia at food jobs.
3: Yeah, I don't know how I did it, <laughs> <laughs> but it was such a good balance because the you know the food jobs were so. Um, they were very social. I was talking to people all the time. Mm -hmm. I was with the food, which Mm -hmm. is very different than writing a bunch of papers and being in the library and being in class. So I feel like they were kind of
2: nice foils for each other in that way. Mm -hmm. Okay. Now it's time for our break. So this is Diane Stemple talking to Hannah Howard about her book Feast, and we'll be right back.
1: To learn more, visit wisconsincheese.com.
2: Hi, Diane Stemple back with Hannah Howard talking about her memoir, Feast, which is all about food, uh, college, (laughs) boyfriends, and eating disorders. Um. So uh, I noticed that you don't give any weights in the book. Yes. Um, you know, I actually
3: have learned in the eating disorder recovery world mm-hmm. that weights and numbers can be really triggering. Okay. And they certainly have been for me in the mm-hmm. past. Mm-hmm. And it also seems sort of beside the
2: point. Okay. Okay. I mean, yeah. I think at one point you admit to having lost a lot of weight. Yeah. And, but that was the only, I think the only number in the whole book.
3: Did you, as a reader, were you wondering? Yes. Yes. Oh, yes. yes. I, I mean,
2: not as a psychologist. Uh-huh. I was like as a nosy reader, mm-hmm. you know, and wondering if I should get an eating disorder, if I ever had an eating disorder like you know just wanting to compare myself
3: right I think that's one of the reasons I didn't want to put it in because Mm -hmm. I do feel like there's a sort of disordered way of looking at it like oh that's yes is that uh, not is that is that actually like skinny or whatever and um, right
2: because I'm sure you were skinny and you didn't think you were skinny and that's true too. Yeah. Right. Yeah, and because then the sort of. That's right. body dysmorphia, which is a hallmark of an eating disorder, is that you cannot see yourself accurately in the mirror. Yes.
3: And even though I feel like I've recovered. In so many huge ways, mm-hmm. I still feel like I don't always see myself
2: accurately. So, right. and I definitely right. didn't then. Right. Yeah. Right. Okay. Now, the older men, most of your boyfriends were older men, all inappropriate. Yes. Right? <laughs> yes. Right? Inappropriate in different ways, but right. yes. Right. Or crazy, or, yes. or just outright crazy. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> so, did you
3: change their names? I did change their names, uh-huh. and I did change a few identifying mm-hmm. features. But they'll buy the book and know. You know, Won't they? I have been, like, the last boyfriend in the book who I worked with. Mm-hmm. Um, for some reason, I felt the most nervous about him reading it. Mm-hmm. Ari? And, um, not Ari, Nick. Oh, mm. um, right, Nick. And I... Email And Nick is not his real name, but uh-huh. I emailed book Nick and uh-huh. told him a while ago, you're going to be in my book. Do you want to talk about it? He did not respond. Uh, okay. And so who knows? I mean, he's mm-hmm. also like not a big reader. Oh, maybe good. he won't read it. But um, <laughs> will well, his wife? His ex-wife? Yes. <laughs> um, maybe. Uh, right. And, right. you know, I, I thought a lot about this. I really... Don't want to hurt anyone, mm-hmm. um, but I'm aware that that is a possibility, mm-hmm. and I tried to be as honest and kind as mm-hmm. I could be, and uh, there's something that Anne Lamott said that I love or something that if like people didn't want to write about, if people didn't want you to write about them being assholes, they shouldn't have been assholes, <laughs> so maybe there's a oh, little I truth to that, that too.
2: <laughs> oh, that's perfect. <laughs> I like her a lot. Me, too. <laughs> That's great. Now, um, oh, speaking about the Me Too movement, uh, at one point, and you probably wrote the book before Me Too. Yes. Yeah. Uh, at one point, you say someone tells you, "Hostesses, the point of hostesses is to be fuckable." Yes. Yeah, I mean, Ugh. and right, and and they are often very attractive. Yes, hostesses. I was like, oh my god, they're they're. This is in the uh, job description, right? And it's just such a
3: destructive, weird thi- thing, and just to be at that time in the thick of my eating disorder and yeah. in this headspace where I felt like that was part of my job but right. I knew that I couldn't really keep it up right um, and right. it felt like a lie yeah it was very weird and you know I hope it's changing but I don't think it's changing fast enough and right. it's certainly not changing everywhere mm-hmm. and it's like a really weird messed up awful part of
2: restaurant culture yeah yeah um, could you talk a little bit about the weird steakhouse job? Absolutely.
3: <laughs> so, um, I guess the legal department didn't have me say the name, so oh, I won't okay. say the name Okay, unless, well, maybe it's okay, but you probably know what it is. There's about 50 of these restaurants throughout the country mm-hmm. and they have this management program that's very prestigious. They mm-hmm. hire people, Ivy League graduates,
2: mm-hmm. and they which move you were, me, at which that I point was,
3: point and they with an me. excellent
2: food resume.
3: It's it's really good yeah. on your food resume. <laughs> so even though it was, but then they uh, bring you around to different restaurants around the country. So mm-hmm. they moved me to Pasadena, mm-hmm. and it was my first like real full time job outside of college, mm-hmm. and. I learned so much. They have their manage management trainees do every single position in the restaurant. So that's was, excellent. Experience. It really is impressive. It is really impressive. The thoroughness is amazing. Like you're you do mm-hmm. every cook in every station on the line. Mm-hmm. You're a host. You do the books with the accountant. Mm-hmm. You know, so you really understand that restaurant inside and out. Mm-hmm. So but I learned. They tortured a ton, you, but it
2: was hell. I was <laughs> <saying> <laughs> but it, it was hell. You. It was just
3: really, really was the wrong. Thing? Of
2: the the main boss there, that it was awful, or do you think everywhere would have been awful?
3: I think the main boss was who was awful and a bully Mm -hmm. was Mm -hmm. the product of a system that was just just so
2: not for me, right? And And that's who who lasted there, right? The mean bosses,
3: right? It was sort of a military style of um, precision, and I mean, impressive. Another asshole. Yeah. (laughs)
2: Thank goodness you didn't sleep with them. Thank goodness.
3: (laughs) Yeah. Um, Yeah. So it was tough. I mean, I remember on there, they had this um, like five inch thick employee handbook with a a million (laughs) rules. And there was a really strict dress code. You had to wear a dark, black suit with a white shirt underneath Mm -hmm. and they had this model with their arms at like 45 degrees 90 degrees and how much the shirt should stick out from the suit jacket half an inch three quarters of an inch depending
2: on where your arm was exactly oh my gosh and like
3: you know (laughs) Not for me. (laughs) So not for me. Um, So I lasted like a little less than a year. But I'm Uh glad I did it Uh because I learned so much.
2: Right, right. And then afterwards, you're just living in L.A. for a month, Mm -hmm. able to enjoy the place because you're not tortured anymore.
3: Oh, my gosh, the relief. Um, Yeah, I mean, I used to wake up in the morning and cry because I was so terrified to go to work. And then just not having to do that. I did worry
2: about leaving, but I'm it was such a good decision. Ah, so now what did you do next after that?
3: So um, I ended up working. Was that Philadelphia? In Philadelphia, okay. yes. And that was another coincidence. that My mom met a lady at the bar who happened, sat, sat down at a bar, met someone who happened to own a restaurant. Now
2: that lady sounded great.
3: Yeah, she actually, my mom is friends with her and was just texting me <laughs> about if she's going to come to my wedding. So oh, cool. she's still in cool. my life oh, and she's nice. great. Was yeah. her,
2: you didn't have to change your name then? Or did you? I did change her oh, okay. name. Yeah, <laughs> but she's like she comes out as one of the best people in the book. That's funny that you say so because she is great,
3: but she's <laughs> definitely like a quirky, intense uh-huh, person. Uh-huh. Well, so, I liked her. Okay, I like her too,
2: and it was really cool that she. Well, hired it was so me. cool that yeah. she hired you from mm-hmm. talking to your mother, yeah. and and then you actually created her restaurant. Yeah. And brought in the fancy chefs. Yes, and it all worked. It was very cool. It, it didn't work for you, but it it worked for them.
3: Right, I know, and it's such a cool experience to get to run a restaurant. I was 20, you were twenty I think. yeah, at the time. Like that. You're
2: like, whoa, yeah. <laughs>
3: um, and it was, and I, you know, I think I, you know, looking back, I'm like. I kind of did a better job than I had any business doing. Like, Mm -hmm,
2: it's kind of a miracle mm -hmm. that it worked out so well. (laughs) Well, you probably were well-trained by the steak people. I was (laughs) well-trained by
3: the steak people. I was really grateful for that. You were
2: well-tortured by the steak people. Right,
3: but without the steak people torture, I wouldn't have been able to do it. So
2: it all worked out. I love when you say something to the lady, Margot, the owner, uh, phony name Margot, and (laughs) you say, when was the bar deep-cleaned? And she like looks at you like, huh? Right. W- what does that word mean? Yeah. Like- <laughs> <laughs> I remember finding like her
3: kids' homework, like old or like old report cards or something, uh-huh. like in the bar. <laughs> like oh, this is.
2: This
3: and her kids were in college already. <laughs> they were a little bit younger than me, but yeah, <laughs> I think so. <laughs>
2: So anyway, let's see. What else? Uh, So that was a cool experience, Philadelphia. And then you left. Yeah, I mean, even though that restaurant
3: was so much more my speed than the steakhouse, Mm -hmm. I think it really taught me that I I was doing some writing on the side Mm -hmm. and I was so much better writing about Food and restaurants that I was managing one. Mm-hmm. Just the hours are so rough. Well, it's,
2: it takes its toll. It
3: really does. And um, I had an opportunity to work for Fairway to work mm-hmm. for Steve Jenkins, mm-hmm. and he was kind of a hero
2: of mine. Mm-hmm. And now, what year is this now? When you're coming? Oh, back now, to New see, York,
3: 2012 must okay. have been. Okay. And so I went for it, and it was great. I, it was a leap of faith because they said we like you, but we don't know what to do with you. So I Mm -hmm. started behind the cheese counter. Mm -hmm. um, And then six weeks later, I ended up being their copywriter and content person, which is pretty much what I do now to pay rent. Oh, cool. Um, So so, you
2: got to do writing for them.
3: Right. And I Mm -hmm. was writing about cheese and Mm -hmm. like, oh, it was very cool because I've always loved food and I've always loved writing, but I didn't know that I could combine them in that way. Mm -hmm. And pay my bills. So that was a very <laughs> cool discovery. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Well, but it's so amazing that you very quickly, you're still only 24, 25 and you've found your niche so soon. Yes. Very lucky. Yeah. You know,
3: writing about it it felt like a long journey, but you're right, I was very well, young.
2: So yeah. Yes, well, really it lucky. does. Well, because of the all the eating disorder parts which are, you know, pretty miserable. Mm-hmm. Um, do you want to talk more about that? Why do you think, how did you get to recovery? Was it just an accident that you went to that meeting?
3: It wasn't an accident. I think, you know, I opened the book with the the first chapter is my last epic binge. And I think, you know, I had really been looking for the solution for as long as the problem existed Mm -hmm. in some way or another. Um, I tried a million diets, I tried to meditate, I tried to journal. And then after this terrible binge, I remember like opening up my journal. And a lot of times when I had a terrible binge, it was very clear, like, oh, I had a fight with my boyfriend, Mm -hmm. I had a awful day at work. But this time, there was nothing. And it
2: seemed like you were was with your parents and their friends, but it wasn't horrible. But you right. just went after the food like crazy,
3: right? And I felt so out of control and kind of scared uh, at what I was doing to myself because mm-hmm. I couldn't stop it. Mm-hmm. And someone had told me about Overeaters Anonymous, mm-hmm. and it sounded like it's even like the name sounded terrible. Yuck. The whole thing sounded awful. Yeah, but. I was desperate and mm-hmm. I went and my friend was supposed to meet me there at this meeting and she like forgot what day it was and didn't come. Oh
2: no. And so I was horrified. I was
3: there alone. I but remember that might've
2: been better. That might've been better. I mean, for whatever
3: it was, yeah. it worked because that was really responsible. Just like we were talking before about kind of coming out with this stuff, mm-hmm. listening to all these people talk so candidly about my deepest secret Was like right away. It felt like incredible, and like I was in the right place. And I I think I went back. The I found my
2: family, or I found my yeah,
3: yeah. And I think I had these all these conceptions about eating disorders, and one of them was that it was this like after school special problem for like rich blonde girls. I don't know. I really had that in my head. And so to see all these amazing people, uh, successful people, all kinds of people, men, women, different ages, different stories.
2: Brunettes,
3: brunettes, people (laughs) of, right. All different colors of people. And it was just like, Oh, okay. Like this isn't embarrassing. These are all people who are successful Mm -hmm. and admirable Mm -hmm. in the world. Mm -hmm. And they're here. And maybe there's a solution to this Mm -hmm. thing. And Mm -hmm. there was, great yeah great
2: now when did you were you still in therapy with the first therapist then
3: no I stopped um seeing her when I moved to LA so she had only been my therapist during college okay
2: yeah have you contacted her
3: you know what that's a great idea. I probably should. <laughs> she might I should send her a the book. book. Yes. Yeah. Book. <laughs> I should send her a book because she, she was great, and I think she did really try. And I was just so not ready to right, like go right, there. So um,
2: yes, I empathize great idea. with
3: her a lot. Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. It must
3: be frustrating. Like, come on. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. Like,
2: why isn't she doing something or right. getting you to talk about it? Or, right. And she tried to occasionally. Mm-hmm. You You indicate, mm-hmm. and you're just like, no. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She did
3: try, um, yeah. And then now that like when I was ready, I was really ready, and I kind of jumped into mm-hmm. recovery, and mm-hmm. I started seeing a therapist again. Mm-hmm. And um,
2: I, I don't so know what happened between out. all those years. It balances out. Yeah, both yes. the therapy and the and the program.
3: Yeah, they mm-hmm. seem to sort of work together.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is it twelve step for? Yes, mm-hmm. twelve step. And are they different twelve steps? Than, um, than Alcoholics Anonymous? No, they're the
3: same exact 12 steps. They just And we read the Alcoholics Anonymous big book. Okay. You just instead of saying alcohol, you say food. Uh-huh. And I think I had read something about this program that turned me off because I had some idea in my head that there was some sort of specific food plan, like diet associated uh, with it. Okay. But there's not. Uh-huh. And it's really about finding your... Um, the foods or the behaviors or whatever it is Mm -hmm. that triggers each individual person. Mm -hmm. So I feel like that kind of attention to like, we all share this thing, but we're Mm -hmm. all a little bit different really worked for me. Mm
2: -hmm. But also uh, the, a big difference is everyone has to eat. Absolutely. You can give up alcohol And it's in some ways easier.
3: Absolutely, right. Those cut and dry are like, right, uh, if you have a problem with drugs, Mm -hmm. you don't do any drugs. Um, But I think for me it was really clear to see like the ways that I was eating that were destructive, Mm -hmm. that um, even just the structure of having – these days I have three meals a day Mm -hmm. and then I have optional snacks if I need them, Mm -hmm. but I don't like – Eat. I don't sneak food, I don't mm-hmm. eat, standing up, like just these little things mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. to create some sort of um, st- structure. Some framework. Some, some framework, framework yeah. because there, uh-huh. there are things that work and things that don't work right. for everyone. So right. Right. figuring now, out that is. Now, do you is, think
2: it, it uh, coincidental or suspicious that most of the bad boyfriends were alcoholics?
3: Yeah, and I think I felt some sort of camaraderie with that, like I related uh-huh. in some okay. way. Um, because I do think there is something addictive about right. my eating disorder mm-hmm.
2: um, or maybe that made you more forgiving,
3: yeah, absolutely. Mm. And just a thing that when you're not in a good place with yourself, it's hard to choose partners who
2: are good for you right
3: so right. now you're
2: getting married.
3: yes, you
2: have a I hope you're marrying a nice boyfriend. I'm marrying
3: the most amazing person. <laughs> He's wonderful. His name is Anthony. And I was terrified for him to read the book. Oh, I can and imagine. Is he in food too? He's not in food. He works for Bloomberg uh, in finance. Mm-hmm. And you know, he actually asked me, what do I have in common with all these guys in the book? And I thought really hard about it because I thought that was a really good question. Mm-hmm. And the answer is nothing. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he's so different um, in the, all the best ways. Oh, he ways. asked
2: what he had in common. Yes, yes, I yes. I thought he meant, what do you have no, in common? No, what does he have in common? Oh, he's,
3: interesting. You know, he's like the permanent oh, boyfriend okay. at the end. Right. I guess maybe that will be the sequel. Right,
2: <laughs> <We'll see>. right. <laughs> that yeah. could be the next book. Yeah. <laughs> okay, well, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for writing this book. I think it will be really helpful to a lot of people in the world.
3: Thank uh, you so much,
2: Dan. I certainly hope so. Go out and read Feast thank by you. Hannah Howard.